If you are losing time and money because your systems aren't integrated and don't talk to each other, Brian from Chain.io was here to tell us about how they tackle an age-old problem in supply chain. You're going to want to make sure that you check out that episode. So that's letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 38, or again, episode 38, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It's holiday party season, so I hope that you are having an amazing time and be safe. Today, I am highlighting another powerhouse woman doing amazing things in supply chain. But first, this is a word from our sponsor. So we could not bring this podcast to you without the support of our community, and that includes our sponsors. Border Buddy approached me to sponsor the podcast, and I thought it was a no-brainer because I love what they are doing and how they are disrupting the industry. Border Buddy is taking a modern, fresh approach to clearing goods. I have been in the industry for over 20 years, and I have never seen anything like this before. Guys, our industry is changing right before our eyes, and Border Buddy is who you will want on your side as they are forward-thinking and do amazing things like integrate with your online platforms, including Shopify. And they can clear and help you import your personal shipments as well. Whether you are in the U.S. or in Canada, Border Buddy is your only choice for a partner when you import to North America. Visit them at BorderBuddy.com for more information. Now, let's get to Listener's Corner and this week's Question comes from Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. As I network and complete my supply chain management education over the next few years, I would like to concurrently gain some field supply chain management experience on the side to help make my transition into the space less abrupt. Is it possible to gain supply chain management experience on the side? Tyler Garns, um, he came back and said, link up with supply chain management industry associations in your area. Perhaps they have student or lower priced memberships. They may also have meetings or events, perhaps volunteer for these events. That is a really a great advice, but it's something that we don't really talk about uh, in our industry is internships. And I think that that's going to be a very, very important part moving forward with all of these new um fresh ideas, new fresh students coming out and looking for opportunities in supply chain. We need to start maybe taking a look at offering internships. And before we get into the next episode, I just want to um, congratulate the winner of our social media $100 wine voucher giveaway. And that is Jolene1079 on Instagram. Congratulations and you get a $100 gift certificate. So I hope you enjoy that. If you have a supply chain question and would like the experts and the community to weigh in, email me at listener at letstalksupplychain.com 
or be a part of the conversation. Every Wednesday, I post the question on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So follow and comment. And like you just heard, I'm going to be doing some random contests. So make sure that you are following and engaging on those sites to be entered. So let's get into today's episode. Sheila's journey is one of hard work, passion and giving back. And I was amazed when I read about how much Sheila does for the supply chain community. That includes mentorship, recognizing others and participating in CSCMP. Sheila is dedicated to the supply chain community. And here is a little bit more about Sheila. Sheila M. Benny, she's a president, co-founder and owner at Optricity. Developing transformative warehousing solutions is key to Sheila's commitment to client engagement. The first of her three pillar approach to defining and realizing Optricity's vision for the future of the company. In addition to her dedication to Optricity, Sheila works outside of the four walls of her own organization, fostering her commitment to industry growth based on a lifelong passion for community service. Recent volunteer activities include leadership advocacy and motivating top talent to the supply chain industry. Sheila continues to serve the industry as past president of Work Warehousing Education Research Council and through the co-launch of Mentor in the Moment, a one-to-one expert experiential learning reflection-based mentor protege process to support career engagement. Ryan, if you're listening, you might want to connect with Sheila and she will be able to give you what you are looking for in the supply chain management space. Sheila is honored to have recently been inducted as a member of the Awesome Network and by her industry designations as a DC Velocity Magazine 2018 Rainmaker and 2016 Thought Leader, a Supply and Demand Chain Executive 2012 Pro to Know. So welcome to the show, Sheila. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited to have you on the show because I want to learn more about what you're doing in the industry and even about World Slotting Day. You're going to have to fill me in on this because I see it and I hear about it, um, but I don't know much about it. But first, we're going to start with your journey to success. So why don't you tell us about it? You know, where did you start? What did the path look like? And how did you end up as an entrepreneur? Okay, great. Well, I started uh, as a very young person. Both my parents were entrepreneurs, so I guess I got the bug kind of early. Uh, of course, after starting at 12 uh, and working in both my parents' businesses, I later decided a, a career in banking might be better for me, kind of the nine to five thing. Uh, and then later in life, when I uh, ended up as an industrial engineer, um, that kind of went out the window. I ended up uh, in, with a full scholarship to NC State University. I was blessed to uh, have that opportunity, and I was motivated by the chancellor there at the time. Um, the scholarship named after John T. Caldwell, a true statesman, really inspired me. His comments to our group, the incoming freshman class, um, were to think big, and that really uh, resonated with me. That had been kind of the mantra of my entire life. Uh, my father always challenged me to to think, and uh, by by that I mean to really think differently. Um, so that was uh, probably the motivation um, in my background to uh, to be challenged, to challenge myself, and that's really probably the bug that got me started thinking about becoming an entrepreneur. 
That's awesome. I love that. So it started um, when you were in school then. Yeah, I really decided that, uh, you know, the straight line path was probably, uh, uh, of course, I did some internships in the industry and, and learned that, yes, indeed, I was an industrial engineer um, at heart. That was sort of the training that was in my blood. I ended up, um, although I had a passion for writing, I had a passion for uh, possibly even journalism, um, that, that ultimately, I would end up in the engineering field. I worked for a, a brilliant man in this industry, Jim Tompkins, who allowed me to really let my left brain fight my right brain, as he liked to say. So, uh, so I have that, uh, that desire to be both creative and technical. And being an entrepreneur allows me to uh, marry both of those sides of my, uh, my passions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So when you think of your journey, um, what are three or four things that you think were pivotal to your success today? Oh, goodness. Um, pivotal things. Um, definitely having the need to have a flexible um, workplace environment. So I, uh, I worked really hard for about a decade in, uh, in the industry and I cut my teeth um, in, in both traditional manufacturing production engineering um, and then of course working for uh, the consulting um, side of things under, under Jim Tompkins. Um, back then we called it materials handling and facilities planning. And I got, uh, I got a great array of experiences working for Jim Tompkins. So not just in the traditional arena, but also going out and helping Jim publish, uh, publish his books and working with international partners. I, I got a really good business background as well. So I learned that there were many different things that I liked to dabble in. That was also where I realized, you know, you just have to set your mind to doing something. Even when you don't know how to do it, you, you create a project plan, you make mistakes along the way, you break those barriers down and you just keep going. So I learned how to do a lot of different things and you really have to be able to, to do them well if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Um, that was, that was one of the areas that I, that I, I think was a pivotal part of my journey. Another pivotal part of my journey was getting into the software arena. After working with Jim, I ended up uh, working in the software side of this business. Um, I went to work for Dan Basmajian, and, and his company was ultimately acquired by Manhattan Associates. So I had a little bit of small business and then a little bit of a bigger business opportunity. Alan DeBerry offered me the chance to come and work directly for him um, in Atlanta when, when Manhattan was going public. And I decided, you know what? Family is going to be my priority for a little while. And um, I ended up, um, my daughter had some health issues, and I knew I wanted to make that my focus. So starting a company um, allowed me to kind of uh, call my own shots. And I was a hard enough worker that I could work what we called the Australian shift <laughs> and uh, work from home part-time um, and then work uh, when, when she was sleeping, I was working the Australian shift, that means at night, and then during the day, I was able to spend time with her, uh, my daughter, and that allowed me for 
in fact, 15 years, um, my daughter thought I was actually a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> so um, I guess I was successful in making her feel like she was a priority in my life. And at the same time, um, we had kind of gotten the band back together. And uh, my two business partners, uh, Chuck Grissom and Dan Basmajan, and I, were able to launch and uh, successfully start, albeit, um, you know, at our own pace. And we were able to devote ourselves to um, our clients and making sure that they were the focus of uh, success in, in the company that we work in today. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that it is a very important, you know, piece of the puzzle or piece of the journey um, to women in the industry, not only in this industry, but just in a working environment in general, um, talking about that work-life balance and being able to, you know, either getting that through your employer or making it happen for yourself. And uh, I think that's a really, really good point. Just before we move on, um, so the industrial engineering, you talk about that a lot. Um, what did that give you and how does that help in supply chain, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. Um, industrial engineering, um I would say was a part of my blood. Um, I have a lot of uh, family members who have that as their background. It, it wasn't necessarily the degree, although, you know, the technical degree is an excellent stepping stone for many people, especially today. I think it's an excellent way if you want to go into the supply chain industry. But nowadays, there are many other options, um, very dedicated, specific options to this industry uh, that that, um, that academic programs offer uh, to support a, a, a career in the supply chain field. Uh, but I'd like to point out that you that you don't have to necessarily have an industrial engineering degree or supply chain degree or a logistics degree to be involved in supply chain. And this is a passion of mine to help people understand that it takes so many different talented people to operate the supply chain. And it's a it's an important point that I'd like to make and I'd like to encourage others to think about because we have marketing people in supply chain. We have folks who need to have data analytics backgrounds in supply chain. We have programmers and IT specialists. We have finance people. And it's a passion of mine that we recruit and retain the best and the brightest across many spectrums of fields to bring them into the supply chain and make sure that we are recruiting and encouraging people with a variety of different skill sets to work in supply chains so that we can have the best supply chains across all industries today. So it's not just folks, although I encourage people to, to think about industrial engineering and it's a wonderful field to go into, there are lots of different ways to be employed in and to add value to supply chain today. Absolutely. And I second that because I, you know, I've spoken a lot recently about just having a tech, somebody with a technology background on your supply chain team that I believe is so pivotal to the success of the supply chain within a business because there's so much new innovation and technology coming out that you want to be able to vet it 
you want to have somebody that's got that background that can take a look at it and say, this is what it's going to do. This is how it's going to help us or this one's not going to help us so much, that kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. And I think that companies are slowly coming to the realization that supply chain is touching every single piece of their business. And so it needs to be integrated with the different departments um, because it has such a huge impact on that. So really glad that you brought that up and uh, thank you for, you know, just your passion in that because I think that it's really, really important. So why don't you tell us about, um, uh, about being a mentor in supply chain? I think this is another passion of yours. Um, and what motivates you to do that? I guess the benefit that I had of, of having very talented people who were in my life, starting with my parents, starting with other people throughout my career who cared enough to participate in my journey and also the people around me even today who, who aren't necessarily um, in an, uh, a more senior position than I've always been in, but also the people today who perhaps are in a junior position, but who have different experience sets. And I really believe, and per- perhaps this has always been a passion of mine as well, that lifelong learning is a part of the mentoring process. So I, I think of mentoring and it's a, a, a like you said, a passion of mine, a passion of my sisters, and we jointly uh, developed something um, as a as a nod toward the the relationship that we had with my father. But we've uh, we've we've created, and and this is also kind of uh, heralds from our 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 mutual um, background in industrial engineering. We've developed something called mentor in the moment, and it takes a very active. Um, role in working one-on-one with people. Um, it, it, it might even uh, herald back to kind of a Montessori-based approach where you are engaged so deeply with someone that you work with regularly that you know that they are interested in a particular topic. So you can work with them and it's almost a, a follow the employee or follow the worker, someone that you are involved with regularly. And you are able to identify what it is that will benefit that person. So you can see that, engage with them, be a part of that process, reflect with them, and then take an active participation in helping them capitalize on that opportunity to their betterment. Likewise, you have to demonstrate the same process with them. So, for example, you benefit really as much from that process as they do. So, it's very much a reciprocal hand-in-glove type relationship. Wow, that is great. And I love that mentality. You know, it's really that collaboration mindset and working together and lifting each other up. So that is great. And kudos to you and your sisters. So let's get back to your career and and sort of your journey. What are some of the biggest risks that you've taken in your career? Um, pretty much every day I take a risk. Um, uh, I w- I've been accused of tilting at windmills, so a little ton Quixote. <laughs> um, I speak my mind. Um, business ethics are, are core to, uh, to uh, what I stand for. Um, goals, morals, and values are something that I absolutely will not bend on. And you might say, well, Sheila, how is that taking a risk? And in today's environment, being... Um, being stalwart 
on, uh, you know, not bending on certain things. Believe it or not, that's risk taking because so many forces out there um, will, will pull at you or push on you to move the needle ever so slightly. And when you don't allow yourself to bend on certain core values, that's often taking a risk because you could not win that contract if you don't just give on certain points or you could not get that key piece of business if you're not willing to just look the other way uh, on, on key things. So as an example, as a small company, which is the, the type of business that I run, a lot of times uh, bigger companies will say, well, you must adhere to our standards or our requirements. I will not bend if I cannot adhere to certain demands. I'm a small company. I might not be able to accommodate a large company's demands of me on certain circumstances. I will express, this is what I can accommodate, and this is what I want to do for you, and this is where I'm willing to go for you, and I will go to the mat with those areas that I can accomplish. But I will not agree to something, and I'll not put my name to something, if I cannot be sure I'll honor it. And so that's actually risk-taking, because by putting it out there that way, you run the risk of not winning the deal, as an example. And so, you know, that's a risk. Um, other risks, of course, are just being in business today because it's a litigious environment that we're in. Um, we're a global economy and being able to do business across different cultures, um, you know, that's, that's risky. But the fact of the matter is, if you if you ensure that you're going to do things the right way, with the right intentions, with the right people, and you and you put yourself behind your product and your people, um, you mitigate those risks, and and you hope that you're doing business with with other people and organizations that are talented. Other risks include walking away from business when you know it's just not the right fit. So those are some of the types of risks that I've taken. Um, so far, so good. Um, and, and I hope that we continue on those types of trajectories. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to make as well, right? Because at the end of the day, you're keeping your integrity. It's And nobody else is going to be able to help you keep your reputation, keep your reputation. And I think that's really important and something for everybody to really think about um, because we are getting asked of a lot, like a lot of ourselves, of our business, and, you know, sometimes we need to go with our gut. Sometimes we need to stick to our integrity and our core values. And because at the end of the day, if you're not able to deliver, um, you know, or commit to or, you know, sorry, deliver on that commitment that you've given them, um, it's your reputation on the line, not theirs. That's right. And so, sorry. That's right. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that's really important, and you you bring up some some really great points that you know we haven't really discussed on the show before. So that's great. So you know, thinking back over your career, what do you wish you would have known, and maybe from there that could stem into some advice for the next generation? Oh goodness, um, let me think. What do I wish I had known? Sometimes I think it's good as a younger person to not 
always know, because <laughs> then maybe we'd be a little too afraid to keep plowing forward. Um, but seriously, if, if I had known earlier on not to doubt myself quite as much, um, I think that would have been helpful. So I think, uh, you know, I would encourage younger people, uh, just in general, um, learn earlier to have a little more confidence. And maybe today's generation, you know, a lot of them I see, they do have confidence. I think the exposure to knowledge um, in a very rapid uh, format uh, gives them more confidence. You can, you can access information very rapidly. So when I was coming along, um, you had to, you had to absorb knowledge in different ways. You had to, gr you had to grow your experience base differently. Um, so maybe that isn't as much of an issue for younger people today. They seem to build their confidence levels uh, at a faster pace. For me, if I had realized that I was technically more astute at an earlier age, I think that would have helped me. I, I think that I didn't understand that soon enough. And, and honestly, I, I am. I am a competent, technically astute leader who is ready for challenges maybe a little earlier than than I give myself credit for. And, and maybe that has to do with being a woman. And I think as women, especially in my generation, we need to come to grips with the fact that we are in a position where we're ready to take on challenges, perhaps a little bit sooner than we give ourselves credit for. So that's that's probably the advice I would have given to myself at least. That is amazing advice. And I agree with you 100%. And I love your confidence. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and showing other women that, you know, you are confident and you, you know that you are, you know, this capable and amazing leader. And uh, you could have done it a little bit earlier, potentially, you know, so you're confident. And yet you're you're able to, you know, take a look and, and really say that, you know, um, again, you could have done it earlier, but I also want to point out that I think education is more available to everybody too, right? And I'm still learning. I'm always, I, I also don't believe I know it all yet. I think there's still something I, you know, I, I've been blessed by the opportunity. I've recently gone through some executive education at Duke University in their um, Fuqua School of Business programs. And, uh, you know, I, I just believe it's always good to continue to hone your skills. And, you know, continuous learning has to always be a part of at least my life. Yes. And um, I feel like for the next generation, it's a lot more readily available. We have apps that have, you know, courses, even free courses and things like that. So I think you're right. I think that they're able to do things maybe just a little bit quicker than, you know, you or I were able to do, you know. <laughs> growing up <laughs> and, being, and being willing to be mentored by by people of all ages by people with different backgrounds from different cultures with different experience sets both both younger older and just with different backgrounds i i think that's really important as well absolutely learning opportunities are really all around us 
Um, so it's about taking advantage of that and um, taking the bull by the horns and just saying, yeah, I want to know more um, because knowing more is, you know, knowledge is power, right? You're going to be able to do a lot more the more that you know. I always say to my husband that sometimes I am the the queen of random facts. <laughs> I, I have no idea where I got any, any of this information, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it came from a lot of the, or it has come from a lot of the different education components that I've been doing on a daily basis, either through podcasts or <laughs> reading or, or what have you. So Agreed. <laughs> All right. Now it's time to talk about World Slotting Day. Tell me, what is World Slotting Day? Well, thank you for asking about it. You know, uh, some people uh, think that it was uh, it was purely a, a PR move on my part. Marketing is a passion of mine, and believe it or not, I see marketing as very much an engineering process. People laugh at me when I say that, um, but it's 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 not. It's just a part of the way I think. I uh, you know I I tell people it's a, it's my marketing sphere. I kind of see it uh, if you will visualize one of those uh, um, balls where people put their fingers on it and the electricity kind of floats through and, and comes at you from all different points. And I I say that to kind of drive home the point that. World Slotting Day was so much more to me than just a, a PR move. I wasn't trying to get World Slotting Day to be like, you know, National Donut Day or, you know, National Chocolate Day or, or although those are wonderful days, mind you. I'm not against those days. <laughs> um, World Slotting Day was, in my mind, uh, a day where we could just, in the industry, pause and have people reflect because one, not everybody is familiar with that term. Um, and out in the marketplace in, in a broader sense, the term slotting causes people to stop and think for a minute. They might stop and think, is that a machine shop term? Uh, well, maybe not the general person, but the general person might stop and think, is that a Las Vegas term? And it causes people to um, ask the question, what, does, what is this all about? And that was the impetus for me saying, I want people to ask the question, what is this all about? Because I want people to reflect on who the people are inside of the four walls of the warehouse. And like with so many other professions that do important work, important yet unrecognized work, yet it's such an important job. And I feel so passionately about the work that goes on inside of the warehouse. It's, it's work that is critical. It's critical work that really does when you break it down inside of the, inside of the supply chain. And I'm, I'm very involved as a volunteer with the work organization, Warehousing Education Research Council. And, and so much of the volunteer work that I've done there has helped me understand at even a, a broader level that the warehousing role, if you will, is kind of the heart of supply chain. And if you think about it that way, you can say even further that slotting is the heartbeat of warehousing. <laughs> so if we recognize what is going on at the slotting level, then we can talk about the importance of 
warehousing, the importance of the work inside of the four walls of the warehouse, and just get people around the world to think about if your goods are not being processed through that facility, will you get the food that you need in a condition that is consumable? Will you be fed? Will you be fueled, sustained, if you will? Will your body be sustained with the, the nourishment that it needs? Will you be educated with the books, with the, with the educational materials of any sort that come through a warehouse? Will you be entertained? Think of all of those materials that are being sourced and, and provided through that warehouse. We, we serve people, food service, that goes through a warehouse and we save people's lives. Think pharmaceuticals, think the healthcare industry, think of every single life-sustaining aspect that, that is transported and, and serviced through a warehouse. And I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but the work that people do is unrecognized and perhaps even underappreciated. Now, over the last few years with, with e-commerce and, and I, you know, the effect of some of the more popularized and the notoriety that different companies are getting these days, that has helped raise the awareness. And uh, World Slotting Day was uh, created, I think, in uh, 2015. So we've had a number of years to start promoting this, but it really was an attempt on my part for us to start having a conversation about the importance of what's going on and transpiring and for us to just take a moment and recognize the importance of warehousing and then to talk about the recruiting and the importance of bringing talent into this industry. That is a really great point. And your passion is contagious, by the way. I love it. I love it. And I think people, um, I think, you know, even consumers are starting to realize um, what goes into a package being delivered to them. Or like you said, the food to the grocery store and things like that. And you're right. I mean, in order for you to get the right, you know, um, goods, the, 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 the thing that you bought on the, on the online, mm-hmm. um, you know, it starts with that warehouse man picking the right product and putting it in the right envelope. That's right. It's uh, it's warehouse men, it's warehouse women. And, and in the U.S. and in Canada, we have certain standards that have to be adhered to. In other parts of the world, some of these conditions are not as secure. They're not as sufficient. And so this is a, this is a topic for me I'm passionate about, um, strengthening the, the warehousing requirements and some of the great clients that we work with, they have, they have, um, doctrines about, you know, safety and security and policies that support quality warehousing. And so I just want to bring that point up that, you know, worldwide, these environments are, are, um, getting better, but they, they all need to be better. And so I'm proud that the clients we work with have these commitments. Um, but more needs to be done to continue to make sure that, you know, children under, you know, 15 are not being employed at wages that are less than, you know, appropriate. And, um, I'm just, I'm proud to be, uh, affiliated with the companies that are taking these stands on a global level. Absolutely. And I think something else to point out as well, and there's a common thread between all of the women that I've had on this series, the Women in Supply Chain series, is the volunteer work. Um, you know, women, and I, I also know men do this as well, but 
It's important to note that with family, you know, trying to have that work-life balance with family and work, on top of that, we're doing a lot of volunteer work, you know, and we're bringing our passions to the communities. And uh, I think it's really something that should be recognized as well. So thank you so much for your contribution, um, you know, to bringing that recognition and that awareness. So we talked about um, we talked about risks, you know, some of the biggest risks that you've taken in your career. But I want to sort of turn that into threats um, right before we get into what the future looks like for you. So what are three threats uh, to your business or maybe even your success and how are you handling it? Because I think that it's important um, that we talk about how we're handling that. You know, on a daily basis, like you said, we're taking risks. Um, there's threats to our success, whether it's other people or you know, environments or different things like that. And I think it's important to talk about how we're handling that. So I'd like to sort of know from your standpoint. Thank you for asking that. Um, so uh, my my initial, uh, what initially came to mind um, were three things when you asked that question. Um, so quantum compu- computing is one. Um, so from my business perspective as a small slotting software company, but I have global reach. Um, so we're, we're dedicated uh, to, to developing very advanced uh, software in, uh, in the slotting uh, realm, but also within the four walls of the warehouse. So advancing you know, the performance of what goes on in the warehouse. But our, our niche to provide mathematically advanced solutions, um, you know, so always being able to recruit and then train very talented, but but very niche um, folks uh, who can who can develop these types of solutions. Uh, that's that's really probably a, a an important element of what we do to allow us to deliver successfully. And it and it's competitive, right? I mean, we have to not only recruit the best of the best, but we have to train them in our unique areas so that we can continue to deliver the service that our clients expect from us. And we're competing in such a vast world. Um, that's, that's, that has been a risk. It remains a risk. And I think it will continue to be a risk. But we, we do it and we do it well. So being able to balance the growth of our company and as we scale, making sure that we don't ever shortchange the clients that got us to where we are today while still being able to grow and innovate, which is really the the premier aspect of who we are, delivering thought leadership to our industry. But also, you know, we kind of take a three-pillar approach to who we are in the marketplace. Um, Of course, our software has to be, you know, top-notch, but we also commit to strengthening our community. That's one of my core values. And being able to divide our time appropriately. We, we don't have any outside invest, investors. Um, we're completely self-sufficient. So we have to run a profitable business and managing all of these elements without sacrificing commitment to our clients. That's That balance is, uh, and maintaining that balance is, you know, it's a it's a risk and an opportunity, I guess, and and being able to continue to go forward in an environment where the pressures, you know, are are dynamic every day. 
um, as, as new technologies evolve. And literally, quantum computing will change the way computers process information. So it's an opportunity, but it's also a, a risk. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you said that were quantum computing, death, and taxes, because those are always <laughs> risks. Um, but I, th but I think really, you know, those are the 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 resources, the people, the product, and and the positioning within the marketplace. And I, I I'm not one to focus on the negative, so I I also turn that around and I see it as opportunity, because whenever there's a problem, I always like to think of problem. Alternative solution one, alternative solution two, alternative solution three. And that's what I ask of my employees. Please, when you think of a challenge, bring me three alternative solutions and we will work forward. I don't believe in I can't. I was never allowed to say that as a child. I always had to bring in three alternative solutions and that has served me well. So I think I'll just keep going like that. And that's your industrial engineering background at work right there. <laughs> that was and my father. I agree with you. Sorry? That was my father. He, the, he, made me, uh, he made me operate that way from the time I was three years old. <laughs> awesome. And I love the I can't because I am a true believer that, you know, with everything that we have available at our fingertips, there's no way that you should ever say to anybody, I don't know how to do that because you can go and look it up and be resourceful and, and go and figure it out. So um, we're just about to wind down this interview and I hate to do it because I'm having such a good time and, and this is so, so great. This is such a great interview. But what's next for Sheila? Um, you know, I get excited because there's so many possibilities. And um, I recently had a, had the privilege of meeting two women at the uh, at one of the the association conferences, and like I told you, I've been a, a, a big advocate um, and, and promoter of what the Work Association does, um, and I recently had the privilege of speaking at the IFTA conference, the International Food Distributors Association. That was a real privilege to speak to the uh, women there. Um, I've also had the opportunity to be involved with the Awesome Network. And one of my really, really big passions is um, working with Alan, the American Logistics Aid Network. I, I want to, um, you know, and I don't, I don't want to spread myself too thinly because I believe in going deep um, rather than, you know, going too, too broadly so that you can't really do enough um, for, for any one organization. So I'd love to continue, as I said, to strengthen my community. And when I say that, you know, I take kind of a global view, but I like to make a local impact. And, and that's kind of a mantra that we have here at Optricity. Um, of course, our software has to stay stay solid and, and our, our focus is on strengthening warehouses. But personally, as I think forward, I want to make sure that I continue to, to be involved with people personally. Um, I never forget that it's the people who make the difference, both the client on the client side, but also the employees. And I'm proud to say that, um, you know, we, we started in 2005, which was the year that people were starting to feel the, the, the effects of the, the recession. And we, we grew a business that is now affording um, people the opportunity to have really solid um, jobs and be productive in a in an in an area that 
is is cool and <laughs> hopefully becoming cooler and um, we have a great family here and i'd love to continue to grow this this organization and be a part of whatever comes next because i think we we don't even know what what the opportunities are that lie ahead i want to continue to learn i want to continue to give back and uh i don't know what the future holds beyond that but uh i can't wait to find out I love it. Well, I don't know about you, but I am feeling very inspired today. And I want to wish, you know, Sheila and the team at Optricity nothing but success. So Sheila has shared her journey, advice, fears, and the future. And I'm excited that she can be part of this series. You can find Sheila on LinkedIn, and I will have all the information on the website at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode 39. Plus, you can go to optricity.com. I will have that information on there as well. Thank you so much to Lindsay at Optricity for helping to make this happen. And thank you, Sheila, for coming on the show and sharing your journey. Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. If you liked this episode, go and check out the other Women in Supply Chain episodes, Powerhouse Women Doing Incredible Things. So go and find out more about them and what they're doing in the industry. Next week, Kevin of JDA Software is here and we are talking supply chain, retail management, and optimization. Did you know they feature a woman in their Woman Wednesdays blog? I was really honored to be interviewed by them and they actually turned that into a two part series. The first part was released on November 14th. So, um, and that is where I dive a little bit deeper into my journey, some more advice, some of the things you get to know me a little bit better in that blog. So go and check that out. I'm actually going to have that on the website, most likely on the homepage at letstalksupplychain.com. It will also be in the newsletter. So if you're signed up for that, you will get advanced notice. So go and check that out. Do you want to support the show? There's a few ways to do that. So rate and review the show on iTunes iTunes. That way other people can find the show. And I'm super excited because recently we just got five out of five stars on iTunes. And I couldn't have done that without you guys. So thank you. Thank you so much. I have a supply chain dictionary, 107 pages of acronyms and definitions. If you are lost in a sea of those, you're going to want my supply chain dictionary, super affordable and easy to download. So go and check that out. That's under shop at letstalksupplychain.com. Then you guys know I'm working on ships. I know it's been a long time coming and we are working hard. We are getting things done. But if you want to be one of the first people to know about it, go to ships. That's shipz.com and fill in your information and we will let you know. Plus, send me your supply chain questions to listener or yeah, listener at letstalksupplychain.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. That's where I post the question of the week and we get some super, super exciting uh, conversations going on those platforms. So make sure that you are involved in those. Thank you so much for tuning in, sending your questions, reviewing the show. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing day. And remember everybody, ship happens. Ship happens.